Hi, everyone. This is Grace with the hashtag Make Bullhead Better podcast. And today I'm interviewing Elena DeLeon, who is um, a resident here in Bullhead City, but decided to go to New York and help out with the COVID crisis. We've received a lot of questions from listeners like you. And so we're going to dive right in. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, let's talk about how long you've lived in Bullhead and how long you've been a nurse. So I have been in Bullhead since 2006, and I have been a nurse since 2014, and I've worked in the tri-state area since 2014, but solely to the Fort Mojave area and Bullhead City area for the past six years. Okay, wonderful. Did you work when you were here in Bullhead? Uh, I used to work at Valley View Medical Center. Okay. And what made you want to go to New York? I was sitting in sitting in the break room at work and I heard everybody talking about, you know, coronavirus this, coronavirus that, and nobody knew anything. Everyone just kind of speculated and I was tired of just talking about it. I wanted to actually be about it. And so I called and I it took me 3 minutes to get on the phone and talk to somebody. Next thing I knew, I bought a ticket to New York and here I am. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So do you know how many other nurses from our area? I know there's a a girl named Ree that's Mm -hmm. there. Do you know of any other? I know of um... one more from our area. His name's Vincent. Um, He's been out uh, just, I think he's been in here a week longer than Ree and myself, but uh, I know he's out here and he's doing good things too. And how long have you been there? I have been, this is day 23 or 24. I You kind of lose count. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's my second That's day off. Time. So uh, after 21 oh. days. So I'm enjoying the day. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for just taking the time to do this on your day off. I'm surprised you're not just like sleeping. Oh, no. <laughs> it, I, you know, you get, you just get into a groove down here, you know you're up at five in the morning, you get moving to the bus, you know, bus ride. It's just part of day, part of the day now. So I'm just in the swing of things. So that's really good for me and my, my physical self. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give us an overview of your experience from the day you got there, which I'm sure coming from our area was a little bit shocking. (laughs) Um, versus you know this 23 days I'm sure a lot has changed so just a kind of synopsis overview of how this experience has been for you initially the experience was horrible it was there was I mean this is a crisis there are buses when there weren't supposed to be buses there were no buses when there was supposed to be buses I literally walked into this giant ballroom in this Park Central Hotel and they said, raise your hand if you are an ER nurse. So I, here I am standing with my suitcases and I just raised my hand. The next thing I knew I had an assignment. Um, It was, I had no idea that Lincoln Medical Center was the top in the top three busiest level one trauma centers in the United States. I have to say that I probably would have thought twice if I would have known that but um, Mm. I'm totally glad that I went Um, the scene was something I could only describe out of movies it almost doesn't seem real there was Mm -hmm. 
in a room made for one, there was four patients, all on ventilators, all on drips, all, you know, having medications and machines keep them alive. We even intubated one person in the hallway that couldn't breathe. This was in the hallway for God and everybody to see. And, you know, the, the point is, at that point in time, it's just to save them. We just, we, we mm-hmm. got to save them, whatever we got to do. And that, I mean, that's how I would want me or my family treated. It has since this past like seven to 10 days, it has really slowed down. Um, as far as the COVID patients coming in, as far as um, a lot of them are coming in too late. I, I hate mm-hmm. to say that, but it's, it's not so much scrambling to save them anymore. It's they go so far over and they wait so long that by the time they get to us, there's, it's, there's nothing we can do. You know, mechanic, you can mechanically ventilate somebody all you want, but that doesn't give them any quality of life. So, I mean, we just try to do what we can do, but unfortunately so many people have waited so long to get in and to get seen that it just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. So do you think that that part, just jumping in here real quick, as far as, you know, we've been told at least here, you know, it's kind of the last resort. Like when you feel absolutely horrible, that's when you should go. If not, try and stay at home for as long as possible. At what point should people be like, this is not okay, um, and go to the hospital? That's, oh man, that's, that's a tough question. And the reason it's a tough question is it's a multifaceted, this virus is, has multiple things it affects. You know, some people, they say they just feel run down. Some people can't breathe. You know, some people, they can't even walk anymore. And it's really, it's hard to say when it's time to go. Because we don't, mm-hmm. we don't know that, we don't know much about this virus at all, except that it is getting to people and killing people. That's one thing we can mm-hmm. say about it that we know. We can barely come to terms on how it's contracted, whether it's contact, droplet, airborne. So we take all precautions. So right. it's just hard to say when it's time to go. Um, I, would, I would advise taking a pulse oximeter and monitoring your oxygen. You know, if you have fevers mm-hmm. and things like that, monitor it, treat it, um, call your doctor there is, you can uh, go to an urgent care, you know, there's a lot of things because they're trying, what's happening is everybody gets scared and they have a large uh, influx in, in the ERs and then you're mm-hmm. exposing, you're exposed to so much more now. Right. So where you could possibly just be having, you know, like a cold or like a chest cold or something going on. Now you've really been in contact with somebody that has COVID-19 and now you're really in trouble. So it's hard to say mm-hmm. when when to draw the line. You have to know your body and you have to say, hey, this isn't right. I don't feel well. I'm going to the hospital. And in the end, it, what what matters to a person is if it's an emergency to yourself. If this is an emergency to me, mm-hmm. then I go to the emergency room. So if that's, you know, you got to kind of gauge it that way and you got to just know yourself and know if you're feeling well or feeling bad or not. I've interviewed a couple of doctors here in our town and um, Dr. Mirza, who actually just returned from there, and then Dr. Ziri, who's a physician here in town. And they said 
you know, even if somebody calls or even if somebody goes to their office, they have to, if they think they might have it, they direct them to the hospital and then they have to meet certain qualifications to even get the test. And a lot of people that I've talked to say, well, I thought I might've had it and I went there and I, I wasn't old enough or I didn't, like you said, your pulse ox or all these different things. And so it's, um, it's been really frustrating Mm -hmm. in our area. Um, for people that just want to know, you know, either way. So, well, I, I understand they're doing a lot of outpatient testing. Um, I want to say, I I don't know which lab company it is, but I want to say one of the the freestanding labs we have actually have the Mm -hmm. test and you can, an order written from your doctor or something like that. Uh, get an order written and get the test taken is something that I'm under the impression of. I don't know. I'm not there. I can't speak for a hundred percent, but right. But right. I can say that. No, we want to hear about your experience there, but all of those things, um, it, you know, even one person was like, how would you compare the experience there versus, you know, what we're going through here? We're still on social distancing and, you know, stay at home, all of that stuff. But I'm sure nothing like New York. So after these seven to 10 days that you were talking about, you know, starting to get better, have you seen more people, um, you know, get out and mm-hmm. about and try and pick up a little bit of normal? I, I have. Uh, you see people walking around <laughs> and more and more every day. I actually started saying this just last week. Uh, you know, we, we go mm-hmm. every morning we ride the bus and every afternoon we ride the bus home. And more and more people are out every day. And it's just, it almost feels like, oh, this is fine now. I think I'm going to, I think I'm not going to wear a mask anymore. There's not a lot of cases, so I'm not going to social distance anymore. You know, these are, you know, they're, it's just the human getting tired of sitting at home in a box. And saying, you know, that things are going down, things are getting better. So now I'm going to go out. But the problem is, is now we have all these people, these quote unquote healthy people. And a friend and I were were talking about this this morning. You know, all these healthy people that have all these, these natural, you know, germs that they come in contact with, you know, the natural flora of our body, all these things. They're not used to having it anymore. Mm -hmm. So this relatively healthy person who's been Lysoling Mm -hmm. and Purelling everything for the past 30 days now they're going to be more susceptible to even catching it now you know so it doesn't just draw the line at the sick and the and the sick and the you know I can't find the word that I'm looking for but it doesn't just draw the line at the at the sick and immunocompromised it can it could be mm-hmm. anybody and we're seeing I'm I'm putting 30 year olds in body bags because they come in and they cannot breathe and they have this virus. You should, uh, I don't wish anybody to see this, but I wish people could just Mm -hmm. see because maybe this Mm -hmm. would click something in their heads and say, Hey, this is not a joke. This isn't a fear mongering. This isn't fake news. This isn't anything like this is real stuff. Real people are dying. And it's just, it's hard. It's hard. So let's jump back to that then, as far as your experience. And um, so when you first got there, 
I would say, or I would ask, the majority of the people were immunocompromised or were elderly. Is that that is, is correct. that correct? And now, as and now you're seeing more young, you know, younger people. Um, yes. Yes. Is that correct? It is correct. Okay. So, uh, speaking of this uh, type of Purell and the over sanitizing and things like that, what's your opinion as far as from a nursing perspective? On people having that, you know, natural buildup of immunity because of interacting with people. I know there's some countries that I think Sweden is one of them that's like, no, we're not doing all this social distancing because they want that herd immunity. I know New York is totally oh, yeah. different than <laughs> here, but um, yeah. what what would you say as far as are people going overboard? Um Gosh, as a healthcare professional, this is a hard question to answer. Yes, I do feel <laughs> like the Lysoling, the Purelling of everything, the complete deca- decontamination of their houses. Our houses mm. are our safe zone. It, it, you know, the people that live with us, everything that we have, these are all the things that we're used to. So it's good to have that. Mm-hmm natural kind of to help your body fight off things when we over clean and we over Lysol and we overdo all these things we're killing not only bad bacteria but we're also killing good bacteria it's it's a fine line and it's it's hard to draw where where when is enough enough it's like taking an antibiotic you kill the good bacteria that is and the correct. bad bacteria and sometimes you have to weigh like what's more you know what's more valuable okay that was really good um so what was the most shocking experience that you had um besides the fact of coming in with your suitcases and being assigned immediately um what what's been the most um shocking experience for you there um I had a really hard day a couple weeks ago and it was uh, my most shocking experience was the amount of dead people that you work Mm. and you work and you work and you do everything in your power that you can think of and everything you can do that a doctor asks you to do. And it just didn't matter. They were just dying. They couldn't breathe. And as soon as you breathed for them, their heart would stop. As soon as you got their heart beating for them, their pressure would drop. As soon as their pressure dropped, you get medication for that. And then now they're living off of pumps and and ventilators. That's the only way they're living. And it's just having to, having to say this person is not going to make it and having to talk to the family. Because family can't be there. I don't know if you know this, but there is no visitors I don't care if you're in a car accident. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you had a heart attack. There are no visitors. So these families are waiting outside of a hospital and you have to like call a name and say family of so-and-so. Yeah. And they come in and you have to tell them this is what's happening. And it's, it's heartbreaking. And we had one day where I, I don't know, I, I can't tell you how many bodies I bagged that day. That, that was really hard. That yeah. was really tough. You know, from where we live, you know, you might run into, you know, one here or there, nothing really crazy. You know, you might have an accident, you know, things like that. But the mm-hmm. the amount of people that 
I was in there for their last breath in just one day was too much for me. Mm. It was hard. And that's one of the most shocking things I've had to deal with. I would imagine that the, you know, I was talking to Dr. Marcel and I interviewed him and I said, you know, when, when people are preparing, when soldiers are preparing for a war, they understand that they might experience this trauma. But as a nurse, as a doctor, you are working to save lives, not thinking that you're going to have some sort of extreme trauma, you know, during that thing, or even like you said, so many people that died when it's, you feel like it's your job to save them. And that incredible disappointment that must follow after so much work to know that it was all in vain. That just must be really devastating. And I think the long-term PTSD and all this for all these medical workers is going to be. It's, you know, I, it is not, it has a good and a bad because as a nurse, we learn to embrace the good with the bad and you're not going to save everybody, mm-hmm. but with that one, you do save, it really makes a difference. If that makes sense, if that makes any sense at all is yeah. you might not be able to say everyone, but one you will, and that'll be worth it. And just helping that one person makes it worth mm-hmm. it. Because if you weren't there, they would die anyway. I think that's a diff- a really good perspective for people to have, you know, same as firemen, um, same as nurses, as doctors. If, if you did nothing, they would die. So at least you doing something, you gave them the best chance possible. Even if give them the best out. shot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What was the biggest outpouring of love that you saw from, from the community there in New York? And then what area specifically are you in in New York? I, uh, I'm staying in Manhattan at one of the hotels here at Park Central, but I work in the South Bronx at Lincoln Medical Center. Okay. And, uh, you just, the, the love for the, for the nurses, when the people see us get off the buses, they're, you know, God bless you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Clap their hands. You know, they, there's just an, an abundance of, you know, food is brought, you know, the fire, we got a a thank you from FDNY the other day and it was all of them pulling up with their engines to the emergency entrance of the the hospital uh NYPD escorted our our buses to the hospital the other day full lights and sirens I mean the city really is and it's crazy because I come from the era of I watched 9-11 yeah I watched 9-11 on tv and I was only 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And these guys that I think are heroes are applauding me. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's kind of a trip because it's the love and the the support that we get out here is just crazy. And personally, the love and support that I get from my family, my friends, social media, just I mean the packages and things we've received I just couldn't even begin to tell you where they came from all I know is that they're here and we share them all with each other and we make sure everybody's taken care of and the 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 support is unreal Mm, that's amazing I I love your correlation between the fire department guys and you that's 
I was young too when 9-11 happened and it just feels so surreal. So to be in the midst of this, you know, like you look back and it was like so long ago, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you're going to be a part of that history. I saw the picture that you posted with all of you and the fire department. I'm like, gosh, that's going to be like in our history books, you know, got to be a part of this is incredible you applied for an extension from your job and that didn't go so well could you explain a little bit what happened and how that affected you um sure it was I am more of a ask for forgiveness rather than permission kind of person and once I knew I was doing this whether they supported it or not I was going I would have hoped they had been supportive But times like this, I understand. And um, yeah, I no longer work for them anymore. How did that, how did that affect your morale and thinking like, when I go back, you know, what does that look like? All of those things. You know, I can't say it's affected me one bit. And I, initially I was upset. I was... I was upset because somebody that I, a company I devoted my life, sick, sorry, doesn't matter. I was there no matter what. Mm-hmm. I figured they could have supported me in something like this. Um, not to mention just what it would good, what good it would do to our community for somebody to see someone going and doing something that's never been done before. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's, it's something that's no one's ever, you know, have, we haven't really had something like this happen. And, you know, for young kids, for teenagers, for young adults to see someone from Bullhead go out into the world, into the big, big apple mm-hmm. in a level one trauma center from a little tiny hospital in Fort Mojave and be out there and make it. I would hope that they would have supported me with that. But, you know things happen and that's just not where my path was supposed to go. Hmm. So yeah, I I don't have a job when I get home. So anybody, you know, (laughs) hit me up. I'm available. (laughs) Well, I think that you are absolute hero and I um, have been following all of you guys, except Justin, who I'll still, I'll start to follow, but I think it's incredibly amazing and I'm so thankful that you're there and you're going to come back. Somebody wrote on Facebook like, oh, is she going to bring Corona back with you? And I'm just like, oh, people are so frustrating because <laughs> obviously you go through extreme testing to come back and Absolutely. Like grieve and everything like that. But on top of that, you're coming back with a breadth of knowledge that is unimaginable for any nurse practicing here. If we did get an outbreak, you would be like, the person to talk to person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so how long are you staying? I thought I saw that you, um, have extended your stay because of that situation. I, you know, I extended my stay because I'm just not done here yet. Okay. I'm just not done here. I'm me, the people I'm working with, the doctors, the nurses, Every person in the hospital setting, we are doing something right now and it is working and things seem to be getting better. 
but I'm going to stay until they at least open up the city again, because I'm afraid there's going to be a second coming and they're going to need all the help and support if it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what a lot of people are so afraid of the, that second wave, you know, and all of this. And it's so, it's so extremely difficult. I think, especially being on Arizona and you're being in New York to, um, it, you know, this is the big question, right? What, what is worse? What is worse in the end, the economic, um, depression that we are going to be in mm-hmm. or, or this insane, you know, death of all of these people in the coronavirus. So it's just like a lose, lose situation. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that anybody necessarily has the answer. So, and, and I had a lady just the other day. She told me, you know, I, I love what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. I listen to you every night. You know, I, I'm following you. But at what point in time do I have to put my family first and open up my business again? And the yeah. bottom line is you got to do what you got to do. Because if that, yeah. if that was me, I can't tell you that I would do anything different. I would do do whatever to take care of mine so I mean in the Mm -hmm. end you got to do what you got to do but you know just be cautious when you're doing it you know exactly yeah I think that's the thing that a lot of people bring up the you know the weather here right now it is the end of um April and it's already 100 oh lord have mercy But people, you know, are like, well, we're just sitting at home. We could drive around in our car or we could drive around in our boat, you know. And so there's tons of people, you know, going on the lake in Lake Havasu, going on the lake here in Lake Mojave. And there's lines and lines of them going in. And so people are like going back and forth. I'm reading the comments on Facebook, you know, some people are like, well, if they're social distancing and they're just with their family on their boat and they're getting sunshine, that's probably good. And then other people are like, we're staying home. We're social distancing. What are these people coming? And everybody thinks they're all from California, which they're not. I mean, there might be some, but we live, you know, where we live, like Laughlin borders and, and needles. So that's a really hard um, thing. I really wanted to touch a little bit on, the difference between the populi- popu- population density there in New York versus here in Bullhead. And since you've been to both places now, um, how would you say that people could obviously be cautious but still get out and enjoy this beautiful weather we're having? It's different than in New York where everybody kind of lives on top of each other. And, and oh, man, that's a hard, that's a hard one, too, because I'm – want to be like you know stay home and just let this pass but sooner or later we have to open everything up and yeah the the population here is you have people literally living on top of each other where you know where we're at we have neighborhoods we have people that live on you know five six acres you know you have people that live in the desert you you know that are properly distanced from people you know I I think if you're do- taking the right precautions and you're not compromising yourself or anybody else, whose business is it? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's your business. And as long as you're acting appropriately and taking the proper precautions, 
you know what would you say those proper precautions are you know wearing a proper mask is a proper precaution uh washing your hands before you eat or drink or you know i'm not saying i saw your bottle down you know wipe with a bleach rag on your top of your bottle i'm saying wash your hands keep your drinks covered keep your masks on just regular hygiene you know (laughs) just regular things we should be doing anyways whether it's coronavirus or not you know just just to take care of yourselves take care of your kids you know do what you can yeah i i think people are are definitely seeing how all of those things are are so important every billboard here is like wash your hands and all this just, stuff so it seems like it should just be common sense well, well washing but, your hands is just so basic and it helps so much that is the biggest thing that i do. my hands are cracked and bleeding literally from washing my hands but I mean I'm still doing okay you know not trying to tempt the fates but you know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing I'm wearing my mask I'm washing my hands I'm taking the proper precautions and you know we're still doing all right so there's got to we've got to be doing something right absolutely um how has it been on your family here with you gone how's that transition been 23 days is Obviously not as long as people that are deployed in the military and they still make it work. But this is a very unique situation and you left quite suddenly. So how's that? Um, My family is nothing but supportive. Um, It was Mm -hmm. actually my fiance was the one who actually got through to the recruiter to uh, for me while I was at work because I was like, this is what I want to do. And she said to me, are you serious? And I said, "I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm 100% serious. This is what I want to do. I, I want to go. Made the phone call. And like I said, called me. And within three minutes, I was buying a plane ticket to New York. My kids, wow. my fiance, my my parents, my grandparents, everybody, my family, friends, everybody is like, do it. Go. The one person that did have a hard time with it, not going to lie, is my dad. He was just like, you know, why? Why do you want to go? And it's like, unless until you're like a nurse and until you can understand what we do, it's hard to explain why I have to go. But I had to. Mm -hmm. And my family has been nothing but supportive for me. Nothing but support. That's awesome. I I would imagine it was it would be very much like after 9-11 and all that happened, how many people enlisted in the military? You know, there's just a something unexplainable where you're like, I just feel like I have to do this. And so I'm so happy that your family was. Oh, yeah. Just uh, nothing, nothing but support. And the even after I lost my job, it was like another one will come. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's true. You know, it's just. Uh, another one will come something else will come along right now this is where I'm supposed to be so this is where I'm gonna be just be present in yes, that ma'am. moment you can't worry about the past and we can't do no ma'am sure future. can't they still accepting um nurses to come there to New York there has been a lo- they have more than four or five thousand nurses here um there are wow. people that can't get through there are people that come on, Elena. You got to know somebody that can get me in there. <laughs> Trust me, I don't know nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, all I can say is, 
for the people that have wanted to come out here or and can't get through or it's not working for them it it just isn't your time out here yet you know it just isn't your time we have to stop forcing things and we have to start mm-hmm. living living in the moment and living in now you know we can't force things that we think should happen we just have to accept things that are going to happen and we can we can try to do our best way to kind of guide those happenings, whether they be good or bad, you know, we, mm-hmm. we can do whatever we can to try to guide that, but we just have to, sometimes you're just dealt with what you're dealt with and you got to figure it out and work through it. So to all my fellow nurses that are getting laid off and that's unfortunate and don't worry, they'll, they'll be calling you back. Yeah. Um, do you see the hospitals there addressing the current needs that are caused by this pandemic? Do you feel like all of them are are really addressing the needs that you have? As in what aspect? Um, like what might be being overlooked? Um, do you have all of your PPE now that you need? I know there was a huge shortage. Do you have enough ventilators? Like that kind of stuff that was really, really hard in the beginning. How is it Initially, going the ventilators was a huge problem. Um, there were mm-hmm. several days where we were the ventilators. We were compressing mm-hmm. a bag with our hand, breathing for people until, unfortunately, someone didn't need theirs anymore, which would be either them passing or them getting better. Either way, that's what we were waiting for. And we had to manually compress these bags to breathe for people until you can do that. As far as uh, PPE goes, and I can speak for only my company, I can, I can only speak for my hospital. Um, it, they uh-huh. have had nothing but the best PPE. They have it. They have so, plenty of it. There, But like I said, this is one of the busiest hospitals in the United States. You know, so they're prepared a little bit more for you know things like this to happen but I I can say as far as my company and my hospital they have taken excellent care of me in the PPA uh, the PPE department for sure so because I know Ree who's the other nurse she said that they had given her at the beginning one mask for well yeah there's that yeah okay all right so we could definitely improve on the mask situation we could definitely improve that. Um, as far as it goes is if your mask isn't soiled or anything like that, um, we could definitely use a fresh mask for every patient. That would probably be ideal. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is try to let it go for five days and then you get a new one every five days. However, I have not been limited to that um, personally. If I need a new mask, all I say is I need a new mask and it happens. So I can't speak for other people, but like, I, you know, like I say, I can only speak for me and my company. And if I need a new mask, mm-hmm. I'm given one. There's no repercussions or anything like that. Okay. That's good to know. Are there protocols that were in place before either here or there that because of the intensity of this crisis you've had to kind of work with what you've got and it wasn't normal things that 
you just improvised you know this whole thing has been improvised <laughs> you know this we're we're going as we're going along as you know we're going every day we're learning stuff new and new you know the, uh, when i initially first got here they were using you know three specific antibiotics and that and that hydroxychloroquine or plaquenil they were real heavy on that mm-hmm. and then now they've changed it now they don't want to give plaquenil anymore and now they're doing another antibiotic you know there's i don't think any protocol would have had us prepared for what is happening this is just, especially out here in New York. I mean, there are so many people. There's so many. Yeah. And everybody, you know, they walk everywhere. They ride bikes everywhere. You know, there's not a hand washing station every so often where you can wash your hands or, you know, you stop and get something to eat and, you know, unwrap your kid's burger and hand it to them. You know, just there's nothing you could do that could prepare for this. Not that, not that I know of. Mm. Okay. Um, how do you think this will change the standard of healthcare overall um, going into the future? Standard of healthcare? Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more telemedicine. Um, a lot more mm. of, you know, being able to FaceTime a doctor kind of. Um, that way they can see mm-hmm. you. There's so much that a clinician can get from actually seeing the person. And if we saw these people, mm-hmm. how they were breathing, how they were looking, how their skin looked, how, how they, you know, if, if we can see them, we could say, you've got a problem Come in here now. Because there's only so much mm-hmm. you can get from talking to somebody on the phone. Well, yeah, I feel short of breath and I've had a fever the last couple of days. Then they walk in and they look like death warmed over. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, you know, this was what you looked like. So I think going forward, I think we'll be utilizing a lot more nurse practitioners, a lot more uh, physician assistants in telemedicine and be able to actually lay eyes on these patients and and see them and say, hey, you know, this has gone a little too far, or maybe you're still okay, let me take care of this, and we'll go from there. But I really think telemedicine is going to be a big hit on this, and I think it's going to be really good for a lot of people. Yeah, especially in, you know, in rural Arizona, like we live here, um, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts, you know, different practices and you know sometimes you think oh that would be great and telemedicine has been around for a while but sometimes it takes a huge thing you know like this to really propel that into a normal um, that we wouldn't have necessarily used as much okay um what do you foresee in the next two weeks there oh man with my with my personal opinion or with my nurse brain because <laughs> those are two different things uh, you, um, my personal opinion <laughs> and my personal hope is that everything stays just fine we keep everything nice and nice and low and slow how it's going it's really dramatically decreased since I got here um, and this is for the sake of the healthcare workers out here they were ran into the ground when we showed up it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, 
not uh they were not mean but they were just like like a woman scorned like just don't even <laughs> don't even go there just just come and help and when they realized we were there to help it really uh it really helped a lot and i'm hoping it stays low and slow i'm hoping that this just starts to dissipate but my my nurse brain is saying this is going to be fine until they open this place up and it's going to be the second coming and it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. So I hope that I'm wrong. It almost, it almost seems like, like if you have a wound, you know, and the scab starts to form that you, you <laughs> don't let it heal all the way. And then you, this is kind of gross analogy, but like you pick it off too soon. It just like, and then it's, up yeah, and then you're like, you know, and, and I've, I've heard, <laughs> and I've actually heard some, I read this on, on Facebook somewhere is somebody said, opening up the economy now is like the equivalency of like taking your antibiotics and stopping because you feel better. And it it, yeah. it, it is. And it's kind of just, I get it. People don't want to stay home. I didn't want to stay home. Like I get it. I totally get it, but mm-hmm. there, I, I've seen grown men, big men, 6'3", 260 pounds of pure muscle, just dead from this. So let's talk a little bit about that and the opening up and things like that. As far as what you've seen there, um, what do you think would be the best prevention advice for us going here? Because we're, you know, the governor has kind of done everything shut down until May 1st. All of our parks are closed. Everything's, you know, um, I'm sorry, the, the bathrooms are closed. The playgrounds are closed. People can still go to the park, but they just have to stay a safe distance. But um, I don't know what, um, what do you think would be the best for our area and knowing our area, obviously in New York, it's a different situation, but how, how much longer do you think we can go on like this? And, and what do you think we should do? I don't, I don't know. That's, I, I do not profess to know everything at all. In fact, I know very little and I don't know very much about the economy and how it runs and, I know that the longer we stay down, the harder it is for business owners to get back up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, but you have to essentially, what is your life worth? What is your kid's life mm-hmm. worth? What is your mom and dad's life worth? It's such a hard balance because you, you have life and then you have, exactly quality of life you know it's like that that um that balance is is difficult okay um so a person asked from facebook they said should we be concerned here when people aren't wearing masks or aren't social distancing? if people aren't wearing masks and aren't social distancing that is going to be a whole lot of their problem if they don't want to follow rules not rules they don't want to follow suggested guidelines and they want to expose themselves. Fine by me. You're an adult. You're an American. It is your right to choose however you will react to this. I will say this, though. 
they might not be the sick one. You might be getting somebody else sick. You know, they just because, you know, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm fine. I'm not going to get sick. You know, that's fine and dandy. You want to take your own life in your hands. That's fine. But do not take other people's lives into your hands. That is not fine. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that people just can't do something as simple as wear a mask. It's not, we're not asking anything crazy. Wear a mask and wash your hands. It's not hard. And if you can't participate in that, you can't do that, then that's unfortunate. Because you're not just taking your own life into your hands, you're taking everybody's life into your hands. Yeah, there's a couple stores here in town like Smart and Final, and I think Walmart just implemented it yesterday that masks are required. They won't let you to come into their store without without one. And um, I don't know. I think I'm similar in the in regards to you is like because it's America, and you know it is a suggested guideline. So I don't know about the whole like required to do things, but I do agree with you if. The mask doesn't keep you safe like you. It's not you don't become a superhero. You know, it's not some exactly magic bullet that keeps you from getting it. But you can keep if you have it and you don't have any symptoms, you can keep it to yourself exactly. and not spread it to others. So, OK, let's talk last thing because I know we've been going for a while here. Um, can you just say, you know, what? What has been the most impactful, obviously, like you said, talking about um, bagging so many people and that whole process, I heard that, like you said, their family can't see them. You're the last person to see them when they take their last breath. And then, you know, you put them in the bag, you know, somebody comes by and takes them and now they're going to a mass grave, you know. And then on top of that, like you said, a lot of New Yorkers, they walk or they bike and so maybe they don't have a lot of New Yorkers don't have driver's license they take public transportation you know different things like that as far as people um, that they just you don't know even who they are when they come in and everybody has a story and everybody's somebody's mother brother son or daughter wife husband Yeah. Um, yeah so Overall, just in conclusion, you know, what would you say your the impact that this has had on your life? I have to say something really quick for the people that think the refrigerator yeah. trucks and the mass graves are not real. They are very real. It is very unfortunate, mm-hmm. but a lot of people I've uh, have said to me, "Oh, is it really that? Is it really that bad? Is it really bodies stacked in a truck?" Yes, it is. So that stuff is real. I will say the, how does this impact me? Oh, man. Um, I definitely won't take people for granted anymore. I've seen, uh, I've just seen too much. I've seen too much. And with a nurse, you have to be able to check, check yourself at the door. You come in and if I let every single one get to me I'd never I'd never leave my house I'd never leave my hotel I'd never get Mm -hmm. on my you know I'd never put my leg on and get up and keep going you know I just Mm -hmm. this has impacted me by just don't take advantage of the people that we have 
and don't get so caught up making a living that you miss out on life. Mm. And because I know if this would have been my kid, my father, my grandparents, you know, my fiance, anything like that, I, and knowing that they would die alone, just, just, I, I couldn't possibly imagine it. So um, I I would Mm -hmm. definitely take away, enjoy the people you have right now and enjoy all the time you have with them because you never know. Yeah, it's such a good reminder that people get frustrated because we're in isolation. But at the same time, you're isolated with the very people that you Mm -hmm. love the very most. So in a takeaway from this, instead of being upset about that, try and just get the most out of this time that you can with the people. And, you know, I'm a big promoter of FaceTime. I don't think if I had FaceTime, I'd have been able Mm -hmm. to make it 21 days, (laughs) even even Mm -hmm. more another eight weeks. But, you know, FaceTime, Skype, teach your teach your grandparents how to use an iPad. You know, it's annoying and you're going to have to label every button, but do it because (laughs) one of these days they're not going to be there for you to show them that, you know, answer that Mm -hmm. call, because one of these days that call is not going to come through the phone anymore. And just. Just live in the now, man, and just do your best to be do do your best to be a good human. Just be a good human. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Elena. I'm so so thankful that you're there. You are an incredible hero and a wonderful person. I'm so excited for when you come back home, and I'm positive that you will. Um, be able to make a great impact here. <laughs> Me, I hope so. I hope you're right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Is there anything um, you'd like to say in closing? I just, you know, thanks everybody that has been supportive and has sent supplies here and just my family. I love you guys. You know, I have to do this and uh, I'll be home as soon as I can. Awesome. Is there a good way for people to contact you um, or reach out more to than, you if they want to? More than a welcome to message me on Facebook. Um, I, messages take me a little longer to get to because, uh, you know, we're running for 12 hours, 13 hours. I take an hour bus ride home and I get a shower and I might get one minute talking to my family and that's about it. So um, the best bet would probably be on Messenger. Mm-hmm. You can send me love mail, hate mail, whatever when I have a conversation, we could talk about it. It might take a little longer, might, might last a little longer, but you know, we can talk about it. And I'm more than welcome to more than welcome anybody to, to send me a message. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Have a wonderful um, day off and thank you very much. I appreciate it for you. Bye-bye. Thank you.